You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, we have a Mets series win to discuss. Kodai Senga, very solid in his MLB debut, helping the Mets win on Sunday well as, of course, Tommy Pham having a big day. We're going to discuss that game in the first segment. Second segment, we'll sort of overview the series, looking at all of the different performers and contributors the Mets had across the board. The bullpen was good. The rotation was good. Lineup was pretty solid, so we'll get through all of that. Then, close things out, a preview of what lies ahead. Mets taking on the Milwaukee Brewers this week. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing, just baseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. It was a great weekend of baseball for the Mets as they take three of four from the Miami Marlins. And really, like looking at this series as a whole, what is there to complain about? The Mets got good starting pitching each game, the bullpen was strong. And outside of one game, they got some pretty solid offense across the board as well. So you look at it, three of four, you take that against any team, even a Marlins team that you could always say, oh, well, maybe the Mets could have had that game on Friday. Look, four-game sweeps are tough. Yes, they start the season uh, and they split the first two, but they end up battling back, grabbing the last two to close out this week. And I say that's a pretty successful trip for the Mets as they begin the season a lot like what we saw last year feels very similar to the 2022 Mets that won 101 games and found a way to just pile up series victory after series victory. Now, we're going to start focusing in on Sunday because it was the MLB debut of Kodai Senga, and it looked pretty shaky early. He spotted two runs because Tommy Pham had an unbelievable day. We'll get to him in a little bit. He has a leadoff single. Starlin Marte lined out. Francisco Lindor grounded out but avoided the double play, beating it out. So he was on first. With two outs, you got walks from Pete Alonso and Mark Canna. Then Jeff McNeil hits a dribbler that Trevor Rogers fielded. And McNeil would have beat it anyway, but a bad throw by Rogers allowed both runs to score. So Senga enters the game with a 2 0 lead. Now, Luis Arise was ridiculous this series for the Marlins. Goes 9 for 16, and he led off the bottom of the first with the base hit. Ends up on second base because of a wild pitch. And then Jorge Soler doubles him home. Right there, Senga gives up the first run of his big league career. Did not get any better from there. He walks the next two batters to load the bases. And I'm sure there was a ton of Mets fans who were like my dad. He told me, is this guy good? What's happening here? Everyone starts to panic. Senga settled in, though. He went to the ghost fork. He got swinging strikeouts on Yuli Gurriel and Jesus Sanchez, both on that pitch. Then John Birdie hits a line drive. It was a well-hit ball, but with two outs, Starling Marte able to track that thing down, and he escapes a bases loaded jam. And from there, he's great. He, he you'll need 36 pitches to get through that first inning. He goes on to retire the side in order 
over the next three frames. Did walk a batter, Jacob Stallings, in the second, but erased him on a double play ball. So he really settled down. In the fifth inning, he got some more run support. Tim LaCastro gets hit by a pitch, and Tommy Pham crushes one to deep center, 108.1 off the bat, 433 feet. Tommy Pham is the guy this year. When I say the guy, I mean this year's Jonathan VR. For the longtime listeners of this show, you remember back in 2021, Jonathan VR had a game where he piled up stats and what would amount to garbage time, you know, a game where the Mets were losing big. I think they were losing big, and he had some hits, and I came on the show and kind of ranted that Jonathan VR was just a, a, a stat compiler and not a player that was going to impact winning, and he was great that year, and it forced me to buy a Jonathan VR jersey. Last year, I made that same type of a jersey bet on James McCann. I did not have to buy a James McCann jersey. Tommy Pham... If he plays the way he did on Sunday, I might have to buy his jersey this year, which I really don't want to do, but I'll do it if Fam continues to be awesome. And got to tip your cap to him. He really was that on Sunday, going three for four. Uh, had an RBI double later in the game as well. Getting back to Senga, though, he picked up two more swing strikeouts in the bottom of the fifth inning, although he did give up another hit to a rise. Then he faces Jazz Chisholm in the bottom of the sixth, strikes him out, swinging on a ghost fork. Finished the day, five and a third innings pitched, three hits allowed, three walks, eight strikeouts, 88 pitches, 53 of them being for strikes. His fastball touched 99 and lived around 97, and that ghost fork was as advertised, okay? That pitch comes in at 85 miles per hour. He got so many swings and misses on swings and misses. That's actually a podcast from the Marlins. Check that out. Uh, but he got a lot of swings and misses on that ghost fork. Really piled up the strikeouts. No one could touch it. And moving forward, when you have the fastball that you know he can pound the strike zone with, and he was throwing it early a lot of times. Guys, especially early on in his big league tenure when they're still trying to learn what he has, they might be taking in the beginning of at-bats, and he's going to take advantage and start off 0-1 with that fastball. The ghost fork is an exceptional strikeout pitch. He has the sweeper, which is another good pitch he can throw for a strike, maybe a little more consistently than the ghost fork that he just kind of buries and guys you know, can't help but swing at. And then he's got a cutter, too, that he makes his sets more like 90 miles per hour compared to the other two off-speed pitches where they're in the you know mid to low 80s. So he's got a four-pitch mix. He knows what he's doing out there. He is going to be a huge, huge piece of this team moving forward. And I really did see that frontline stuff that we hoped we could see with the Kodai Senga. And you just want to get to a point where Verlander is healthy as well, but you really can't envision three guys atop this rotation that have frontline stuff now that you have Senga. I mean... He might be the hardest thrower in this rotation. I think he probably is. So it's interesting to see him have, you know, maybe, um, I don't know if I call it the best fastball because there's still location of the fastball, but the hardest fastball and maybe the nastiest pitch with that ghost fork, he, he's going to be really good. I think the Mets might have hit the jackpot on this one. We'll see what happens, though. You know, this is a Marlins lineup. He's going to have to have a lot more tougher tests from here, and we'll see. Um, you know, how he handles them. Although I do believe his next start will again be against this Marlins team in that first series next weekend at home. Now, again, Tommy Pham was really the MVP of the game. 
goes three for four with a walk. Uh, and just overall, um, this lineup found a way to continue to put rallies together and put runs on the board. And, and the bullpen was great. And the rotation was great. I want to get into more of the performances we saw throughout the weekend. Before we do, though, today's episode is brought to you by the mobile game Ultimate Baseball GM. If you're like me and you've dreamed of being an MLB GM and managing your own professional baseball franchise, your dream can now come true with Ultimate Baseball GM. You'll manage every strategic aspect of your team, play through the season, and lead your team to glory. You're responsible for hiring the right coaches and staff, managing team finances, scouting and drafting players, managing difficult personalities, navigating your franchise through free agency, and all the ups and downs of the season. All of this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Baseball GM is completely free and playable offline. So you can play on the go as you want, when you want, once downloaded. You don't need Wi-Fi to play. It's all there for you in app play. This makes it so awesome because wherever you are, if you got a minute, you just have to kill some time, pull your phone out, you can play. It is a blast. Locked On Mets listeners are going to get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure you check it out. To download the game, just visit probaseballgm.com. Or also, if you're watching on YouTube, you can scan the code or look it up on the app stores. Again, though, that's probaseballgm.com. Check out the Ultimate Baseball GM. Start your dynasty today. Now, to recap the rest of this series, as we already discussed um, on Friday's show, Thursday, opening day, the Mets get a win. Friday night against Jesus Lazardo, the Mets couldn't get anything going. This is a really tough left-handed pitcher. Uh, he started the second game of the season for the Marlins uh, for a reason. He is their number two behind, of course, a great ace in Sandy Alcantara. And he was tough. He was very tough on the Mets. They couldn't get anything going on the bullpen. They didn't score until the ninth thing when Pete Alonso homered. And it was too little too late. David Peterson wasn't bad. He earned a tough loss in this one. Went five innings. He allowed a home run to Jorge Soler, but that was the only run he did allow. And Soler was unbelievable on defense as well. He really had a good series for this Marlins team. I, I think if we had to rank the players, it was Arise and him were really the two that shine the most for the Marlins. Uh, Jazz Chisholm had a moment. He actually had a home run that made the difference in this game, a 2-1 to one game. He homered in the bottom of the eighth against John Curtis, so that ended up being the winning run. Uh, but overall, he didn't have the best of series. I think they have you know, four guys that might be above average hitters throughout the entire season with Jazz, uh, Garrett Cooper, Arise, and of course Solaire, based on what he just did, and maybe Segura. Uh, but that's still not a lineup you should fear. The Mets handled them, though. And, and you know, we'll see what they look like against a little bit of a better team in the Brewers this week. But you have to love what the bullpen did. That homer that John Curtis allowed, that was the only run the Mets bullpen allowed all series. Tommy Hunter went two scoreless on Friday night. Uh, Steven Nogasek, two scoreless to close out the game on Sunday. David Robertson had two different scoreless innings. Picked up a save on Thursday and closed out. Uh, a game where the Mets had a four-run lead on Saturday. 
Dennis Santana and Drew Smith each got five outs across two appearances without giving up runs. Brooks Raley got four outs across two appearances. And Adam Adovino pitched a scoreless inning. So you combine it all, 11 and two-thirds with one run allowed for the Mets bullpen without Edwin Diaz. I think this bullpen can be just fine the regular season. The question is going to be, do you have enough high leverage guys come October? And there's still the outside possibility that Edwin comes back. So to me, as much as that injury hurt, it's not something we have to focus on all year. It's something you might revisit at the deadline. And of course, we'll be monitoring his progress coming back from that knee injury. Now, when it comes to the starting pitching, you know, you had Scherzer, good start and opening day. You had Peterson, solid in a loss. Tyler McGill was good at replacing Justin Verlander on Saturday. Ran into some trouble early, did give up a couple of runs, allowed six hits, but he settled down. He only walked two, which for him is pretty solid, even though at times it felt like he was losing the strike zone. He wouldn't find it again. He ended up with seven strikeouts. It was a good start. We'll see if he can do it again in the home opener against this Marlins team. Uh, Mark Hanna was unbelievable. In the win on Saturday, goes 3-for-4, four, three runs scored, two RBIs, had a home run and a double. On the series, Cannon went 4-for-13 with three walks, consistently had good at-bats. Tommy Pham had the big day on Sunday. Pete Alonzo homered, uh, went 3-for-14, so not the highest average, but he drew four walks and he led the team with four runs scored, so still a good series for him. Omar Narvaez is giving great at-bats from the left side. I think he's a huge upgrade over James McCann, particularly offensively, but also he's a great defender behind the dish. So I think that was a very subtle pickup that is already paying off for the Mets in a big way. Uh, three for seven in this series with a walk, no strikeouts for Nervaez. When could we ever say that about James McCann after playing two games in a series? I don't remember a single time last year, honestly. Um, two RBIs also for Nervaez. Starling Marte went five for 13. He's scolding the ball right now. Uh, beyond that, Francisco Lindor and Jeff McNeil did struggle. They've gotten off to a slow start, but they've each had some line drives that were ca- caught, some some tough outs. Not worried about them. Tomas Nito and Louis Guillaume didn't get a ton of run, but they're both still looking for their first hits. Daniel Vogelback only started a couple of the games because there was two lefties out there. Uh, he went one for six. Then there's Eduardo Escobar. One for 16 to start the year with seven strikeouts. I've been told on Twitter and in the comments section on YouTube that I am too tough on Eduardo Escobar and I need to stop fanboying Brett Beatty. I'll tell you what, though. I'm pretty comfortable with my Brett Beatty stock as he went four for five in a game on Saturday with two home runs, one of them being a grand slam. Also made a diving catch on a liner. Um, I'm feeling good with my Brett Beatty stock, and I think you guys might get uncomfortable holding that Escobar stock. I'm not rooting against Escobar. I just think that there's clearly a better player that's sitting in the minor leagues, and I don't quite understand why he's still there. That's all I'm saying, especially when you see other players around baseball getting that opportunity to make their debut with around the same playing time as Beatty has had in his minor league career, if not less in some cases. Um, I think he's ready, but I digress. Uh, To close out the show today, we got another series to preview. It is so great to be back in the swing of things. We're going to get to that in just a minute. First, though, if you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all that fat and calories, you got to try Built Bars. What makes Built Bars so good? For starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. They come in unbelievable flavors like the churro, the peanut butter brownie, the coconut almond. 
These bars taste like candy bars while maintaining amazing macros. What's even better, they're healthy. Only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now, you don't have to wait around for a box. While you still can go to Built.com, get your mix box, try a bunch of flavors, if you just want to get some Built Bars now, head to Walmart or Sam's Club. You can go right to the pharmacy section at your nearest Walmart today. Grab yourself a 4-bar box of the cookies and cream, the double chocolate, or the coconut puff Built Bars. You're close to a Sam's Club. Run in, grab a 13-bar box of their hit flavors, the brownie batter or the churro. You can thank me later. Go to your local store and buy Built Bars today. The New York Mets are set to take on the Milwaukee Brewers to start the week. Last time they visited Milwaukee, if my memory serves, the Mets clinched a playoff berth. Now, you're going to see Carlos Carrasco make his season debut on Monday. The Brewers, I should mention, went to Chicago to start their season. So they're going to have their home opener. They're 2-1. They lost on opening day. They won the next two over the weekend. It will be Carrasco versus Freddy Peralta. Peralta, of course, making his season debut. Uh, He is a really good pitcher. So... Uh, you know, that's not the easiest of tasks for the Mets to go up against Peralta. You know, last year he ran into some injury stuff, only had 78 innings pitched, but for his career, 3.82 ERA. Uh, you know, he's a, a tough matchup going from the right side for Peralta. So you're going to see that lineup with Daniel Vogel back in the mix. Uh, Nimmo had a rest day, so he'll be back out there. I imagine you'll see Marte and and Canna and you know the whole crew. I would think, um, unless they want to get somebody a day, maybe. I'm trying to think. Canna had a DH day. I, I don't know if they would they try to keep the hot bat in the lineup with Tommy Pham coming off of the big game on Sunday. It's going to be interesting to see how Buck manages them because Tommy Pham is a guy that's used to regular playing time. He said after the game, it's great to have a manager's trust. I wonder how far that trust goes. You got Wade Miley going in the second game of the series, so I would think you'd hold Fam out. Maybe you still play him in the outfield and get maybe Marte or somebody else a DH day on Tuesday and start Tommy Fam then. So that's going to be a, a matchup the Mets should win. I should mention Wade Miley is starting that game against Max Scherzer. So you love the Mets' chances to win that game, but you also kind of want to win the first two because you don't love the Mets' chances on Wednesday, where it's going to be David Peterson, who, hey, we should trust, good pitcher, but Corbin Burns is going, the 2021 Cy Young. Now, Burns did get knocked around on opening day. Um, he is sporting a 7.20 ERA. How many runs did he give up? That means over the five innings, four runs over five innings pitched um, in the, on that opening day start, but we know... He is disgusting and a very, very tough matchup. So if you're the Mets in this instance, you'd like to just make it through this series, win the first two, have it in hand, and then it's gravy when you go into that day game on Wednesday before you got to fly up to New York and play another day game on Thursday for your home opener where it will be Tyler McGill versus Edward Cabrera and you're facing that Marlins team again. Uh, this is a good week for the Mets. I, I think they uh, 
you know, should be able to, you know, figure things out and and have a pretty solid week. It's a little bit tough, you know, those travel um, days as far as, you know, the series in Milwaukee and heading back to New York and playing the day game after that. But, I mean, no one's going to be short of adrenaline, um, you know, coming into a home opener with the packed, you know, crowd. And you get to play a Marlins team that you just show that you're, you know, clearly better than. Hopefully the Mets can continue to ride the momentum um, and, and get off to a great start to the season. I think what we've seen so far, it's good starting pitching that you trust up to this point. I think, you know, even with, of course, Quintana out, but now Verlander out for hopefully just a short spell, you feel fine with McGill taking these turns in the rotation, and you just hope that you get JV back soon. The bullpen is looking strong right now. I feel good about David Robertson as the closer, and I've already seen some things I like with, of course, Tommy Hunter, who's always just pounding the strike zone, with a guy like Dennis Santana, where he really does have a good slider. It might be a nice little find that they just had, knowing that you have Adam Montevideo you can trust, and feeling great about the fact that you have a lefty now that is far better than any lefty you had last season with Brooks Raley. And the lineup looks the same as last year. And I know some people are saying and try to use that as a negative throughout the offseason. But I tell you, it's hard to win 101 games with a bad offense. This lineup was consistent throughout the season at finding a way to win series. They just grind out at bats. They make it really tough on opposing pitchers. They draw their walks. They drive up pitch counts. And they get clutch hits. And I love what I'm seeing right now from a lot of the hitters. You know, Mark Cannon and Starling Marte look great right now in the outfield. You know, they are just really giving you good at-bats. You know, I, I have faith always in P. Alonzo, Brandon Immo, Jeff McNeil, Francisco Lindor. Nervaez is giving you good at-bats. Hell, Tommy Pham is giving you good at-bats. And I've even, you know, haven't seen anything to not like with Daniel Vogel back, there's only one hole in the lineup, and I'm not going to address him again over at third base. This team looks great right now. Let's see them keep it rolling. We got a two-day games this week, uh, and uh, home opener, most likely it's three-day games. Uh, but two-day games in this series against the Brewers, now they're on Thursday. Make sure you follow, rate, and review. Check out all of the shows we got coming this week. Follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Now, for your second listen, check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. The fantasy season has arrived just like the MLB season. If you want to be ready to dominate your leagues this year, to be up to date on everything you need to know, check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.